You're listening to the Freshly Baked Crackers Podcast. Freshly Baked Crackers. With your hosts, Josh Guster and Ian Maxwell. Here is the soup. (laughs) Intergalactic soup, This is the Freshly Baked Crackers Podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's Josh. And it's Ian. And we are back again. Look at this consistency. This is three episodes in a row. We've been here. We weren't here for three years, and now we're back all the time. On schedule and everything. On schedule. And not just that. I'm going to throw a spoiler at you right now. There will be another fucking episode this week. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're putting shit in the can. Look at that. Content. (laughs) Content. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed last uh, episode, I almost said last week, so our last episode was Sam Rhodes, uh, yeah. British comedian extraordinaire. Excellent um, talk. Actually, Sam, uh, Ian doesn't know this right now, but Sam is currently working on a, uh, Ian discovers a hip-hop album theme for us. <gasps> Ooh. Yes, he is writing us a theme for that, and he is also going to do a theme for my pirate radio show. Oh, love it. So, uh, yeah, so he is, uh, yeah, he's, he's working on that right now. Great guy, great guy. So we hope you guys really enjoyed that one. We loved doing that episode. It was really great. It was uh, way better than this one's going to be. <laughs> Let me tell you, this one's going to be a rough one to get through, guys, but we're going to push through, okay? Um, because today we have a musician. Oh. I say that I, I love that this bit I'm doing now is that like we loathe this guy that we sought out to have come on our podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk shit in the introduction. Yeah. Like there's some force above us. Like we work for Sirius and they're forcing guests on us. This guy just stumbled into our desk and, and on front of our door. Yeah, we were supposed to have Hat Robert Downey Jr., but they pushed this guy on us. No. <clears throat> um, I would be disappointed uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> no offense to, to you. I mean, if we could get RDJ, goodness. Uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, today on our on the show we do have uh, a musician, awesome musician, uh, from se- Central Southern Illinois area. Um, mm-hmm. He, uh, he uh, I would say, I mean, I would call it Amer- people call it Americana now. The kind mm-hmm. of music you make, I would suppose. Oh. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, there, there's a lot going on though. I feel like there's a lot of. Well, I guess that's what Americana is. A lot of American influences. A lot of, but uh, a lot of really great. A lot of great songwriting, a lot of great lyrics, a lot of great uh, guitar work. Um, just a dude who um, plays around a lot of the same musical circles I do, and I was immediately floored by this guy the first time <clears throat> I saw him. And uh, lucky enough to have gotten to play several times with him, and lucky enough to have him come on the show today. So, without further adieu, adieu, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeremy T. McConaughey. Welcome, Jeremy. <sighs> Hey, <laughs> thanks for having Howdy. me. Yeah, thanks for I haven't done on. too many of these podcasts, so um, actually, this might be a first. Actually, podcast. So, oh, yeah. Well, we've thanks done we've done they're very difficult. We haven't done very many either. No, just we've we've <laughs> done a couple. So we, we'll try to we'll try to steal the show. Thank you. Um, but uh, but we're really more interested in you. So, Jeremy, Jeremy. Yes. Um, <clears throat> You are uh, predominantly a solo performer. You play, I mean, throw, throw us uh, a little overview of what you actually do, like what your, uh, your, your jam is. 
Um, I mean, I started, I started in 2016. Um, I, I, I was a drummer before that, um, from like 16 to 2016, I played drums for, um, uh, mainly at the time, uh, contemporary Christian bands, um, pop Christian bands, uh, the Christian bands that were kind of dividing that, um, are, are they secular? Are they Christian kind of thing that became cool or whatever for a short period of time? Genres. Yeah. Um, and then I, I started drumming for this band called Radar versus Wolf. Um, I sent in an audition tape. I sent in two audition tapes. I sent one to Michigan to this band called Mike Mains and the Branches, who almost have a almost have like a me without you feel. Um, if they were, I don't know, a little more pop. I guess if me without you were in a Wes Anderson movie, Ooh, like we're okay. more quirky <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, right. And I was like, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I want to, I want to play drums for them. Uh, it's really fun music. So I sent them an audition tape, um, which would have meant I, I would have had to have moved to Michigan because they were super, super busy. And uh, I sent another audition tape to uh, Radar versus Wolf down in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, well, Nashville's only like a five-hour drive instead of a nine-hour drive. I could yeah. go there and come back. You know, not a big deal. Which was grueling. Um, I was working at Starbucks at the time as an opening shift manager. So I would open from like five to 11, drive down to Nashville um, at 11, get there, you know, around six o'clock, rehearse with these guys until like midnight, come back, open Starbucks, go home and sleep, you know, and then like the next day, like do it all over again, you know. Uh, yeah. So, um, but I, I made it, I made it into that band. And the cool thing about that band was Mike Marsh, um, former drummer of dashboard confessional, current drummer of the Avett brothers. Um, he produced their record. And so I was getting to drum his parts and he was the one kind of making the decision whether I got to play drums for these guys or not, which I hated because I, I, I don't know how, old your audience is your, the demographic or whatever but uh i mean geriatrics for, mostly yeah well, <laughs> then they probably know who dashboard confessional is i mean mike's drumming especially like i can remember specifically being like 17 years old it was like my senior year of high school i think watching mtv2 unplugged dashboard confessionals and I wasn't super into the band at the time, but I was like, that drummer is insane. You know, I was like, who, who is this drummer? So I started getting more into it. And I mean, uh, I think after that, like a Mark Emission, a brand of Scar came out and the drums start to finish on that record are just like insane. So this guy that like I have been like idolizing um, as far as like modern drummers were concerned, was like judging me so i i got the part i got to play in front of him a few times which was really really insane and scary but um yeah, pressure there yeah yeah so we uh we ended up going over and uh talking about like studio stuff for radar versus wolf and whatnot and um i was kind of playing a song of mine called the eager movement and um i let mike hear it you know just messing around i had i'm not i was super super comfortable as a drummer 
not super comfortable as a front man, uh, not even a front man, just, just a singer songwriter, even not, not my thing, you know, right. being up front. And, uh, but Mike was like, you know, nothing, nothing against your drumming or anything, man. He's like, but I think this is what you should be doing. He's like, you knocked it out of the park with that song. So I got a couple other songs together and I went down and I recorded an EP with him and he brings in Paul DeFiglia, who was also in the Avent Brothers at the time. He played piano. Oh, wow. And he's playing with Langhorn Slim now, um, which is another artist that I love. And he brought Critter Fuqua from Old Crow Medicine Show comes in and plays like the accordion. And Holy I think shit. he did banjo also, but we, we didn't use the banjo uh, in ballad. It's, it's not on there at all. Um, so, yeah, just this really crazy thing. And I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And uh, I just kind of spent, I wrote several other songs and um, since then, and I kind of took a break for a year. That really hyped up. I, I recorded with Mike and that was like the big thing, you know, like this local guy from Matt Toons recording with this guy from Dashboard Confessionals and the Ava Brothers. He's releasing an EP. And then I started playing all these shows. I quit my job at Starbucks and I was playing I was playing like two week shows during the, or during the week I was playing two shows and then I was playing like weekend warrior type stuff. And it was going really good. I was paying my bills. Um, I have two kids from previous marriage. I was paying my child support um, through just playing music, you know? And, uh, and then some family stuff happened and I just quit. I quit for a year. So getting that momentum coming back, like, uh, it was about a year and a half ago, I think, around then, uh, that I started like really coming back and trying to do this again. And uh, it's been crazy uh, getting it going. Uh, but I guess that's a really, really long story of how it got started. Uh, but yeah, singer-songwriter. I, I introduced a band last year. Um, I started playing with the – I've done like four shows now with a full band. Um, and it, that's, it's been really, really fun as well. I got to open for the way down wonders. Um, that was my very first show this year. That was a blast. Um, and then just trying to hit like the festival circuit. And, um, I was supposed to go in in April and start recording my, I'm doing a full length record, um, nice. uh, studio up in Ottawa and it obvious this COVID stuff happened. So it, it didn't, yeah. didn't work out, but, um, <laughs> It will. I mean, it just, once all this kind of clears up and we can start doing that kind of stuff again, I'm, I plan on recording a full length record. So nice. you've obviously many, got the stuff in you, you know, so. Yeah. How many, I mean, when you say a full record, how many tracks are you looking at for that? I have 12 right now that I'm going nice. in with, but I mean, if we keep pushing it off, I'm going to have more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I only plan on recording 10. Okay. But so um, that's with the three that I recorded that are up right now on Spotify, um, that Conversations EP. I want to re-record those songs kind of more like I play them live versus how polished and studio they are right now. You know, right. they're pretty overproduced compared to, because I've gotten that a lot. I've gotten like a lot of kind words about the EP, but I've also gotten a lot of people who have been like, um, yeah, I like it, man, but that, that doesn't sound like what I heard, you know, right. I, I want to hear what I heard. 
Um, and, and I get that. I I'm, would way rather hear a band for what they are than like, I remember the first time I went and saw Blink-182 was then uh, they're on tour with Alkaline Trio and Newfound Glory. And uh, I went to Moline, Alkaline Trio were incredible. Um, still to this day, one of the best, tightest bands I've ever seen. Newfound Glory were about 50-50. They were good, but they also like danced around so much. It kind of took away from like the musicianship and like the, the vocal um, like nailing the high notes and stuff like that. Right. Blink-182 were awful, man. Like, mm. there's... N- I remember leaving the concert and like one of the first things I said to my buddy was, I wonder how many takes it took them to get that record to sound like that. Right. Because that show didn't sound anything like... Uh, it was the tour for Enema of the State. I think it was like the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. Okay. And uh, like... Yeah, it was awful. It would have been like their prime and they're, they're just not even that tight, right? So Travis that's, that's was, crazy. Travis was unbelievable, of course. But right. um, yeah, I mean, as far as like Tom DeLonge's vocals and his guitar playing, um, it just was all over the place. And I was so oh. bummed because I they were my absolute favorite band. And I went there to see them and I left right. becoming like a huge Alkaline Trio fan. I was like, that band was... Yeah, I actually a week later they played like a Halloween show or something or two weeks later in Chicago at the Metro and I went and saw that and it was again incredible. They were just such a great band. So that's really surprising because just because how good the live album is. Yeah. It but it okay, so I did some research on that. If you look, they recorded the guitars. Oh, there's a lot of overdubs on it? Yeah, it's oh. all overdubbed at a studio. So the only thing that's live is the banter between songs and Travis's drumming. Oh, that's so I weak. got you. Isn't that awful? You. Oh, that, that really is. is. That's disappointing. That's really yeah, disappointing. That's I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how disappointing it is. I own that on vinyl. <laughs> oh, re- I mean, that's, that's cool, Oof. though. I love it. Mean, sounds I great. Yeah. Fucking love I it. Have, it's a solid record. I have a lot of respect for like Mark Hoppus. Uh, he's a he's produced some really good records, and I can't believe how good of an ear he has for music. And he's in like Blink One Eighty Two is like his his band. You know what I mean? I feel like he could do yeah. so much more. Um, and nothing against them. I I mean they got my attention. I listened to them. I remember my son's into him now. I have a sixteen year old son and. Um, he is he the California record that came out. He was super pumped about that, and I actually I liked it. I, I listened to it and I liked it, and um, I still listen to some of that stuff. I was like, circa like two thousand two, two thousand three. I was like a poster child for a band called the Used. Like, oh yeah, I was super, super, super into that band, and they right. just came out with a new record, and I love it. It's so I good. Didn't it's realize like, that it's a little bit like nostalgic to like hear them, you know, right. but it's like, there's a lot of forward thinking on that record. It's like, I can hear like Lizzo and I can hear um, like Billie Eilish, no. but I can also hear like the used, like very first record that ever came out on it also, you know, cool. I know evolving um, like that. Yeah. Josh is probably looking for pictures of me on the internet right now wearing eyeliner and stuff, uh, which do not exist. But oh, yeah, man. Sure. I was born with eyeliner on. 
Um, but yeah, man. So, and then I don't know, I guess just somewhere around there, I, I started, I grew up listening to country and my, you know, my, my parents, my mom listened to nineties country and, uh, my grandparents listened to oldies and like old folk music and stuff like that. And I just, at a certain point I was like, I want to play music that's like that. And I remember being in the studio with Mike and, and thinking, okay, man, like I've got to write for this genre though. Like let's like, what, like, how do I, you know, keep my songs relevant? And, and he's like, you, you got to write timeless music. Don't worry about writing for a genre. Don't worry about writing for a punk rock song or a, uh, a country song or a folk song. He's like, write what comes out right. and make sure it's something that people are going to want to listen to now and 50 years from now, you know? Right. Um, and, and that really, really has played a major role in like how I write a song. Cause um, I can remember specifically when I started doing this project, I was really, really listening to the carpenter by the Avett brothers. And I was like, I want to write songs that sound exactly like this record and that's it, you know? Um, right. And that's, that's no way to write cause you're going to run out of material really fast. Yeah, absolutely. So, you're sort of like painting yourself into a corner. Like, yeah, you, uh, exactly. Uh, there's no like outside thinking. And I remember, um, the more I kind of branched out, I wrote a song called, uh, it's in the end. And, uh, that I had been on like a big Beatles kick, but still like it was in, uh, influential of like the folk stuff that I was into, but um, especially like when Mike started laying down the drums and we added the accordion, I was like, this, this is very like modern, like Sergeant Peppers meets like, nice. you know, folk, I don't know. I'm, I'm influenced by so many things and that's why it's, it's hard to say I play folk music or Americana music, but cause I'm really, really influenced by like indie music too. I, I love father John Misty. I love arcade fire. I love the Decemberist. Right. Um, I love so much music that it's just, I, I like, I was, I was a huge outcast fan for a long time. Also, nice. you know, I never dabbled in, in trying to make hip hop music or anything, but I was Andre Benjamin's like one of my favorite artists of all time, probably. Right. Just to flex a little bit on you right now, Ian and I saw outcast. Yeah, we did. Oh, really? Yep. Lou Fest. What year was that? 2015? Yeah, I think so. 15 sounds right. Yeah, was, man, I was at Lou when Fest. When it was still good. I was at Lou Fest the year that the Avett brothers played. We were there that Yeah, well. there you too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that like was like the second or third year. Yeah, they were the year before the Avett brothers, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to, because that, yeah, that seemed like 2016. I still have like the armband like on my little desk area. Nice. Like, the Avett brothers, that was, was that the year that Hozier played the other night? Hozier played. I think that's right. Cake. Um, Billy Eilish, or not Billy, Billy Idol. <laughs> yeah, Billy Idol. Uh, oh, yeah. Idol Cake, Cake was the year we had uh, Arctic Monkeys. That was uh, That's right, Cake and Arctic Monkeys. That. Yeah. And, and Outcast. that was the same year. And that was, yeah, that's right. Yep. That was who, who was it that played before Hozier was Ludacris? Yes. Ludacris. Young so, the Giant. So that one, of the, one of the yep. worst schedulings I've ever seen. We probably talked <clears throat> about this back because I think we covered Lufest that year. One of the worst schedulings I've ever seen. I've been to a lot of fucking music festivals. I've been to a lot of Bonnaroo's. I've been yeah, to I'm really of... jealous. <laughs> and and the worst scheduling I've ever seen was putting Ludacris 
to close down the second stage before Hosier closed down the main stage. Yes. First of all, Ludacris comes out and his, he's got a DJ and a full band and a little choir. And the fucking DJ starts throwing down Nelly songs to begin with in Forest Park in St. Louis. So, yes. like, yeah. so he, he owns the crowd already. Then Ludacris comes out and gives us like 16 years of his greatest hits. Just everything you've ever heard Ludacris ever be on. Everyone is having the great. And then like he, he ends it and he keeps talking about how he has to go get on a plane and go to a private party in New York. And he gets done, he ends his set, and it's over with him, like, the main stage, the lights all kick on, and here comes, this guy comes out and starts singing these (laughs) fucking sad bastard songs, and people are just like, this was not, this was scheduled so poorly. It was like Woodstock The tonal shift is so bad, yeah. Yeah, it was like they, like, when we had Woodstock, when they, uh, 99, when they closed everything with, like, Rage and Metallica and Limp Bizkit, and they're like, why didn't you guys put Alanis Morissette at night? You guys (laughs) fucked up here. Yeah. yeah, everyone riled the fuck up here with your forty-five dollar bottles of water. But it was it was so it was such a like a, a, a suck the energy out of the whole fucking festival moment. Yeah, it just such a jarring shift. They did the same thing with the cake uh, Arctic Monkeys. You're like, I, I like Arctic Monkeys, but you're going for, again from like a dance party to solid Mod rock. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really a jarring shift. And I was really because I really liked AM, and it was right. It was on that. Yeah tour when they were touring the am album and like i was fired up to hear it but like it was it was like such a going from like having this 90s funky cake party to like okay now we gotta totally shift gears to this it was just it was weird headliners for from i don't know coming from like bonnaroo's whenever the headliner is something giant and bombast and it doesn't it it just seemed it was really strange when they did that those years yeah, I thought it was weird that Billy Idol opened for the Ava Brothers. I mean, that's a yeah. huge kick yeah. in the nuts to him, you know? Yes, yeah. right. Else, yeah. Wasn't the, the lead singer from Fun there that year? Yeah. Yeah, Nate Ruiz. And maybe Umphreys McGee? I don't know. Is it Umphreys or Spoon that year? I know Spoon was... Spoon was whenever they moved it over and put it in the parking lot. That's right, when we were standing on asphalt. That, Lufest was the weirdest music festival, like... Although man, there was some there was some cool stuff that year because we got to see Huey Lewis in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, cool. God, yes. And run the jewels. Yeah. So that was my enough. girlfriend really likes run. The, my girlfriend has like a really amazing like taste in music. I never tell her that, um, but she's into all the bands. She's into bands that like I don't love also, but um, she's she walks that fine line i've never been into like jam bands or anything which has always been my hang-ups with festivals like which i know um i know i know you're a big fish fan and and honestly i can't say that i'm not a fan because i i i was in a relationship where they just got like drilled into me and i was just like i can't take this anymore so i never really gave them a fair chance like in all honesty but what i like the couple like songs that i heard that were like an album links long you know right um i i could not handle it and then and then so like i i so i want to go to bonnaroo let's say and fish is playing three times so i'm not gonna pay money to go (laughs) fish is playing three times why why are they playing and i i noticed that a lot with like it's different every time mo umphreys mcgee like like summer summer camp like mm. they'll play like three times or something or five times. And I'm like, why is this band playing so many sets at one festival? Because um, they, they, it's, it's a whole different thing. It's, it's for yeah. people, for people who are into it, it's, 
you're seeing your like your favorite group of dudes at improvisation and yeah. they're going to do different things they're going to maybe you know with, with jam bands too they're going to make it cool they're going to come out and they might play you know an entire set of talking head songs you know like without sure. announcing it or like i don't know there's just that's one of the things that i love about the jam band scene is that and i don't really listen to anything but fish really out of that scene anymore um yeah. and, and green sky bluegrass i do really love green sky bluegrass mm-hmm. a lot um and Goose, actually, this new band that's coming up right now called Goose, I'm really, really into them because they have—they're not just jammy; they—they seem to be really cool songwriters, also. Yeah. Um, and there's a few things, you know, I like I can get down into Deshi Trucks bands, I can get down to a few things here or there, but yeah. like, I'm really more into concise songwriting nowadays. But like, the reason I, that I love Fish, and I think that I love a lot of people love jam bands, and the reason why it's hard to like sit and listen to it on an album for a lot of people who haven't been there is because it's kind of like listening to the audio recording of a party and like, yeah. and being like, man, <laughs> it doesn't, this, doesn't this sound like it was a good time? And they'd be like, no, it sounds like a bunch of fucking people talking. I don't understand. <laughs> what, the, what are you, what the fuck are you yeah, playing for no, me? would be like, well, bro, if you had been there, you would be like, this was a great time that we had at this party. And that's kind of how I've always described it to people. It's yeah. Like, man, it's hard to like sit here and play fish for you if you've never seen <laughs> fish before. Yeah. It's true. I, I will say, like, I really liked emotionalism uh, when the Avett Brothers came out sure, with it, sure. which they're nowhere near a jam band, but I feel like their fan base is very, like, into jam bands. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But, especially back then, especially from emotionalism yeah. through I Am Loving You, because mm-hmm. they, were, they were playing every jam band festival, that's, and that's how I got to know them, was from that stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I think... For me, though, I saw them live. They played in St. Louis at the Peabody Opera House in, man, it was like 2014. That was the first time I saw mm-hmm. them. And, and they sold it out like three nights in a row. Yeah. And um, I like I was sold after I saw them live. I was like, okay, this is like my favorite band now. Yeah, I think the first time I saw them like it. First time I saw them was 2010, I want to say. I, it was on I Am Loving You, and they played the pageant. And, uh, okay. Hey, hey back here. Not funny, man. Not funny. All right. See ya. And uh, they had Grace Potter opening back then. But they were, uh, it was straight. It looks just like when I first time I saw them, like the stage set up and everything was straight out of like live volume three. Like all the apostrophe stuff up on stage yeah. and shit. But I've been in that big I, you know, I kept hearing about the Avid Brothers for years and years. Uh, I'd, re- I'd read about them on like Consequence of Sound or jam bands or different things. And I don't, I don't know why I just never gave them a shot. I, I think that I remember seeing the cover of, Emo- or of I Am Loving You and thinking they were maybe metal. Well, they were a bunch of like punk guys uh, originally, you know, yeah. kind of got into that stuff. I, they're from my home state. They used to crash on a buddy of mine's couch you, back in the day. You don't have to do that. He's rolling in it right now. For real. He just shoved a bunch of money in my face the other day. He's like, this is how much I made today. And it was 50s and 100s. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, he muted himself. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah. 
So that's how I kind of came to find the Avid Brothers. Have you seen the? Did we go see the Avid Brothers when I lived in St. Louis? Did we ever go see them? I think we only saw them uh, at Lufest that year. That, that's I, right, just the Lufest. Okay. Yeah, I think we talked about going that time that, that Jeremy was talking about, but they had sold out all three of those nights. It was like so hard to get tickets. I think. Yeah, they were. There was a point where they hit like a fever pitch. Oh, we um, could never see them back home. I mean, it was like they played oh, at Argelia sure Festival and stuff like that. I mean, they were darlings. So it was like anytime you'd try to see them anywhere in North Carolina, it was fucking impossible, you know? Oh, I bet, yeah. They still go yeah. back and play uh, New Year's there every year. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I had, to, uh, I had to move to St. Louis to finally get to see a band from like only a few hours away from me originally. Uh, but, yeah. you know, they blew up uh, pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can if you yeah so uh um yeah um i didn't right. but but i like i said I i'm didn't, here it's all good no, brother. i was having some issue, technical difficulties like i was saying i i didn't i don't know i didn't give him a chance because of whatever reason and then when i was working for my family years ago i had to take a trip a work trip to portland oregon and i remember like my flight i had to like leave you know, I was living here in Effingham. I drive two hours to the airport. Mm. And I had to leave here like at three in the morning or something. And I remember getting in my car and driving, you know, half awake. And I put uh, "I Am Loving You" on. And uh, oh man! By the time I got there, I was just like, "Oh Jesus! This is why these guys are getting written about on every." <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. Wow. No wonder that everyone, every music magazine I read, is talking about these guys constantly. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, then it became, I got so into the Avid Brothers, it was, like, me drunk at parties going, the Avid Brothers are the best songwriting team since Lennon and McCartney. Like, like prove me wrong, yeah. you motherfuckers. Just, like, like ag- aggressively yelling. Belligerent. At, yeah, belligerently <laughs> talking. And, like, people like, sir, this is a fucking Wendy's. Will you please yeah. <laughs> sit down and get down off the counter? Um, yeah, I mean, Lennon, but, McCartney, but then, like, that's... That's a stretch, maybe, but they are, they are. And for a little bit there, though, dude, for a little bit there, they, I would say, like, for Minion, like for time. I Am Loving You, they were pretty goddamn brilliant. There was pretty much nothing. I'll say, for me, so all their stuff before, like, uh, Country Is, uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. or is, is that what it's called, or is it Country What? I can't remember. Country Was, or one of those two, yeah, I can't remember. Something either. like that. And then Four Thieves, they had the Gleam albums uh, yep. that came out. But for me, there's the, the trifecta was just like Emotionalism, The Carpenter, and Magpie and the Dandelion. Those three records mm-hmm. for me are just like, it doesn't get any better. It hasn't like, and it's not to say that their new stuff isn't good. True Sadness was good. They experimented a little too much for me with like electronic stuff. Um, yeah. And, and see for me i i kind of the carpenter was the end of it for me yeah yeah i, I it, it's it's good I, I got that i don't know on vinyl but like for me it's definitely that like mignonette through i am loving you is just like mm. yeah. fuck yeah. and even like the gleams all that stuff is just man like how, it's one of those things where it's like there's no way you can write that good of songs together unless you grew up in this house right mm-hmm. with these parents and and this family and went to this church and like they had to just it all just had to go a certain way for them to just be this fucking prolific like yeah yeah it's the perfect alchemy kind of thing and then now a lot of it to me sounds just like 
it sounds more, and I say this about other bands too. Like, I feel like at a certain point I'm here in the studio more than I'm here in the band. Yeah. 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 And that's That's how I kind of feel about them nowadays. Yeah. It's a bummer too. Cause they're so, they've been doing Instagram stuff every day recently. Um, Yeah. And I miss that. I miss just them and their guitars and just the rawness of it, you know, of their singer songwriting ability and, and their voices. And, um, it doesn't get much better than that, but yeah, I, I agree. A lot of bands become, okay, well, we can depend on the studio to fill like the void, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or even if they're not depending on it, just like, I guess the kind of depending on it, it's just, it's just, it changes things. It changes the feel of it, it changes it doesn't seem as organic. It seems more manufactured, right. even though if they've written, they, they could have, you know, it's the Avid brothers. They wrote these songs on acoustic guitars in their homes. Yeah. It's like, it's not like these, this music was written in a boardroom or something. It right. just sands the edges but, down a little bit. It definitely know? does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely, it, it definitely uh, just doesn't seem as from the earth. Well, and especially dudes like the Avet Brothers who have always had that sort of raw sensibility to their style, like even bringing that like sort of punk rock kind of feel to sure. what yeah. they're doing. Like you need that edge to make them stand out as the Avet Brothers, as what they are. So yeah, they yeah. lose a little bit of that in the weeds when you start overproducing and over touching yeah. up and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, everyone, it's inevitable. I mean, everyone wants to change their, their sound and their, sure. I mean, yeah. for me, yeah. I mean, any, they can't any, write die, die, die over and over again. Right. Any, any art that has ever been worth anything has evolved. I mean, absolutely. if an artist isn't evolving, like, are, are they an artist? If they, or, or are they a one-trick pony? You know what I mean? Right. right. Uh, they're just yeah. going to keep putting out the same material. Um, so in that regard, like, I love them. I remember Shaky Graves, uh, who's another artist that I love. Uh, his first two records were just very much acoustic, but cool lyrics. Um, but he did the the stomp box, you know. He had the suitcase kick drum and the and the tambourine, kind of like one man band thing going on, and for two records. And he released his third record, and it's it's called Can't Wake Up. And it's a straight up indie record. It's got the mm. folk vibe, but it's an indie record. And his fans, so many of them, I was reading on like the day that it came out, they were so mad. You know, mm. uh, this like it was like it's almost like when on a much lower level, but like when Bob Dylan uh, picked up the electric car at like <laughs> folk fest, you know, um, right. and everybody lost their mind. And but for me that record is it's so good and it's him being like okay like this is new this is new this is who i am now this is what it's evolved into um and i think that's so important for for a band to do that respectable and and sometimes it doesn't work and you lose some of your fan base but you gain like a whole other fan base you know what i mean and and so in that aspect i respect what the avid brothers are doing i mean Mm -hmm. They're working with Rick Rubin. I know, right. I feel like a lot of what they're doing is Rick Rubin. Um, the He's always kind of heavy-handed and stuff anyway. Yeah, Rick, you can yeah. always feel Rick Rubin in his albums. You, you know, know who else is working with Rick Rubin on this new album? Run the Jewels, motherfucker. No shit. Are they really? Yeah, Run the Jewels 4, executive produced by, yeah, he's, he, they did it. And it's got, they just announced all of it. It's got De La Roca on it again. 
Nice. Um, yeah. It's got some more people on it. I can't even think of. Uh, Mavis Staples. Huh. Is on Interesting. Um, man, I fucking love those guys. Yeah, they're great. I'll be excited to hear that. Yeah, the world, see, the world Nicole, needs Nicole those guys. really likes them, and I've never really – I can't tell you that I've even heard one Run the Jewels song. Like, I, I just haven't listened to oh, them. So. But she does uh, – but, like, to go back to what I was saying about her, I remember – there's bands that like we were talking about if we would have like ever dated like in high school like because we didn't meet nicole and i didn't even meet till like three years ago you know so um and we love a lot of the same music now but she was a huge her high school days and still she still loves it but sublime and uh Mm -hmm. incubus and i like high school for me was alkaline trio blink 182 the used you know that kind of stuff right uh so we are polar opposites so i don't get the same as when she puts on like drive by incubus or something i don't get that same like feeling you know i'm just like right. what is this you know because to me that those kids in high school they were the ones with like that smelled funky when they came back from their cars you know <laughs> of course yeah of course we were not like you know um i'm not gonna lie incubus yeah. was after i was out of high school That's, oh i was all yeah. up in some incubus back in the day yeah when i was, when I was in high school i was listening to uh a guy by the name of Do you guys know who christopher wallace was no uh the, most people knew him as the notorious big uh, oh, okay. i listened to a lot of the love like you know i listened to 90s hip-hop music and then like yeah. And then all the completely like MTV bands of the '90s. Yeah, man, Foo so Fighters, like, Radiohead. You, oh, even worse than that, my friend. You 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 catch me at a Counting Crows concert. Um, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna see me. You'll see me nodding my head to an Everclear song. Of course. Uh, you know. Um, no fun. One of my funnest times with Nicole. Um, so we, this is maybe like the third time we've ever hung out or, or any, I don't know. We were, I don't know if we were like officially dating yet or anything, but we definitely were making out for sure. Are you guys uh, now, are you guys at this point, would you consider yourselves officially dating? Yeah, we're officially dating now. That's we have awesome. A kid. Congratulations. Um, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we're driving around in the car, I think like earlier in the day and we're like listening to Beyonce and she's singing like Beyonce. And I'm just kind of like looking at her. I'm kind of feeling it out. She's singing that uh, that uh, I've been drinking song. I don't know what it's called. Uh, Drunken love. Drunken love. There you go. But so I'm just feeling her out. You know, I, it's, I was like, how vulnerable can I be with this person? Yeah, right now. You know, uh, it's because you still want them to think you're cool, but you don't want to let too loose. And then they're like, man, this guy's a moron. Um, how, how stupid is this guy? You know. ICP. <laughs> sure, sure enough, when Jay Z's part came on, I sang it word for word, and I lost all self control, and it was so fun. And then later that night, we're driving around, and we put on so much for the afterglow, and we're both just like driving around singing, "This is a song about Susan," and you know, like that. It starts to finish, man. Well, we, that I mean, song we is like, so fucking good. Sorry to cut so, you off. That record, like, that fucking, record oh, it's so good. good, dude. That so that record sounds like getting my driver's license. <laughs> yeah, that that I I was into that. I was into lit. Um, man, Alien Ant Farm. Yep. Anthology, oh yeah, that record was yeah. so good. Um. Yeah, so 
we like a lot of that same stuff, but it's just like the, uh, man, I, my, here's my sublime story. I loved sublime, like hard. Um, I remember the first time I heard, um, same in the end. I was like, this is like punk rock, but it's better, you know? Um, and the, and that whole record, man, I, like I was, this record is so amazing. Then I heard the live record. And I was like, this has to be a joke. There's no way this is sublime because this band sucks. And, <laughs> and I've, I've heard and seen that a lot. Like, I don't know if it's just because he was so messed up on drugs, but I just don't, I did not see like the same talent live as I was hearing on the record at all. Like not even close. And someone actually posted that a while back um, on Facebook. They did that, that change my mind guy. And it was like Sublime is the worst band of all time. <laughs> and I showed that to Nicole and she was like, I don't know how anyone could even think that. And I showed her the live, uh, he actually posted the live record in the comments. And I was like, I don't know, this is a pretty good argument. <laughs> this is <laughs> awful. You know, I wouldn't have even released that as a record if I was them because. Right. Well, I don't know if they... I, I've seen stuff where they are good. Like, like I remember I was a big No Doubt fan too. And uh, mm-hmm. as I played drums, I loved Adrian Young. He's such a great drummer. Yeah. And uh, I remember they did a song with Gwen Stefani. And I was like, this is, this is incredible. They're, they're good. She's good. But then I just the live record, I was like, this is awful. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of that has to do with a few things. One, there's like zero live material of theirs yeah, and yeah. They, i think they just released something to have just to release just what they had after yeah. the dude died. and uh like he died I, it's it's a sad story it really is because the dude died right before anything happened yeah yeah like like the dude literally overdosed like they couldn't even make the videos for the album that blew him up because he was dead so like yeah all those videos are like a little movie was a story that has nothing to do with the people from sublime and <laughs> right. then and then they'll just be like footage of him from the one concert that they have on tape like right superimposed weirdly like a ghost over it like it really is a sad story that this band that had wrote a few songs that are in the the pantheon of music of american music for forever absolutely you know what i got and santeria and Mm -hmm. and wrong way and there's a few Mm -hmm. songs that like they're always going to be played on jukeboxes and bars like forever yeah absolutely they're not necessarily songs that i'm crazy about but like and it's just sad that those like the, the bass player and the drummer never got to be sublime really yeah years later they had to find some kid that could fucking play and sing like the guy and they yeah. went and tried to do it but like they literally were, like gearing up to become sublime and the dude died and they were just like yeah. all right go go work at pizza hut bro there's nothing there's nothing much. I'm, I'm sure they make plenty of money off of how much what i got gets played on in every yeah season. oh and like and, they, and they're sure touring they like crazier yeah. they did with rome you know yeah but, yeah but, but still it is sad that those guys never got to experience that like, in their peak yeah absolutely. i don't know any band that had that happen that like the lead singer the main guy behind the band died like three weeks before they got famous yeah i mean it's like pulled away <laughs> the day the record drops you know like immediately yeah. he like signed everything and went and died like later <laughs> on that day in the yeah. green room yeah in the same room, he just signed the papers. <laughs> he signed the papers and turned his, just tilted his chair and died. <laughs> the poor guy. But yeah, I mean the same thing. though. like the band is just, it's just, it's also the band that like, they're like 
white bread. They're just like something that everyone, they're like, they're white rice. There's something everyone yeah. can digest. And there's something that they're just, every, oh, I like Sublime. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I like Sunshine. What What else? Yeah, yeah, what exactly. blanket statement do you have about? Well, it's like there's such a, a, a mixture of different styles within their own stuff. I mean, they're, they're punk, they're ska, yeah, they're that's what know, drew rock. Like, right. I will say this. There's one thing that bothers me is like, I want to, and this is kind of a paraphrase of, uh, like, do you remember the, the the Boondocks episode where it's like, what if Martin Luther King didn't die? If he, <laughs> yeah. If he was just in a coma and he came back, like, what would he think of today? And and there's that part when he's just like, oh, sure, Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. <laughs> <laughs> and I always feel like that would, like, slightly stupid and pepper and the yeah. dirty heads and all those I things. I even say like, it about 311, you know, yeah, they're just, just like, Nebraska sublime. Yeah. It's just like, guys, sublime isn't a fucking genre. Okay. Yeah. Come up with something else. Right. That is true about, see, I was, when you were saying that sublime is the worst band in the world, I would, part of me would argue it's 311. <laughs> uh, Chad Sexton's a pretty good drummer though. He is a pretty good drummer, but every single person that you've ever hated in this lifetime loves the song Amber. That's true. That is I'll true. That. That is true. Yeah, it's like a litmus like, test for personalities. Yeah. I know there was a slight pause when I said it, and I know you checked your memory banks, and you were like, "Yeah, he's fucking right." Every single one of them yeah. that goddamn yeah. song. I did. Yeah. I had to like cut to like <laughs> early two thousands. Yeah, that guy loves three eleven. I hate it was like that guy. it was like flipping through like like the cards in the library. Just <laughs> yep. I've had fucking... so many guilty pleasures, though. It, it's hard to judge, man. I was afraid forever. It's like cool now. But like back when when I was in high school and I, I played in punk bands and stuff, I couldn't tell my friends that I thought 311s or uh, not 311, uh, Third Eye Blind, that record uh, with losing a whole year and uh, oh my god, it's uh, so, yes. good. Like, so good! I loved that record, but yeah. I couldn't tell my friends. Graduate so. is on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's the what's? Let me ask you this, and I know that like I hate don't don't take the high road and say something stupid like there's no bad song if you like it what's the worst fucking song that you love worst song that i love that you love that you know in your heart is a fucking calamity disaster of a song (laughs) but you but it doesn't matter because you fucking love that shit oh man that's a really hard one it's not for me i'm gonna Uh, tell you what it is right now you want me to fuck you up about a song that i love that is a goddamn horrible song yeah uh, Baby Girl by Sugarland. Yeah, I don't know that song. It's a horrible country song that is so bad, and my eyes will well up with tears <laughs> every single time she sings to her mom I and dad say, back at home. I definitely, I went through a really weird period. Um, it was kind of in between, like listening to like emo screamo stuff and like just diving into like the folk stuff you know and uh it was uh man there was a song uh it's a keith urban song long hot summer oof and i hated that i love that song (laughs) i just remember being in my car with the windows rolled down and just being like you know, this song is so good. Wind in your hair, sun shining, you know, and the lyrics to that song, just like with your feet up on the dashboard now and like all that. And I was like, man, I love this song. And 
I don't know. I still don't know that I hate that song, but I know it's not good, but I don't think that song's awful. Ian because... loves uh, Arms Wide Open by Creed. Oh, no, I do not. But I will say the worst song. Yeah, no, no, thank No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I will stand for every single piece of ICP's catalog, though, without shame. Yeah. Oh, I, I, <laughs> so... I mean, I think, I think we've documented on the podcast several times that I've been on stage with the Insane Clown Posse. Yep, yep. That's Creed song. <laughs> Best Creed song, hands down, is a song called "Y'all Say You Shit Here with Me." I don't know. I don't. I don't know much about Creed. Well, look it up. Look it up on YouTube. It's. Called- now you want to hear a fucked up story though about Creed? Yes. Oh, fucked up. Fucked up story sounds like someone's gonna get raped or something. This is not. Uh, this is not a rape or murder <laughs> story. This is not yeah. that bad. This is just like a crazy story. So, when I was younger. I want to say 2000 because I wasn't old enough to drink, so it had to have been the year 2000. Me and a bunch of buddies went to Ozfest that year. Back when Ozfest was a thing, and yeah. people yeah. people would go to a fucking giant touring metal festival, and um, yeah, we would. And man, Ozfests were cool, weren't they? They so were. I really they miss were, Ozfest. They were they were such a great time and such a great place to get the worst sunburn you've ever had in your entire life. Oh, and so many bruises. Oh, just fucked up for a week afterwards. <laughs> I had such bad sunburn the year that I went that my mom had to drain. Uh, blisters on my back oh for like a week afterwards it was the it was, I, i'm sure i'll have cancer on my shoulder at some point um but so i went to ozfest and pantera headlined that year ozzy performed or i guess ozzy headlined and then it was pantera which i don't like pantera but like queens of the stone age were there uh incubus was there this little band oh man i'm gonna throw one at you guys methods of mayhem Ooh. Oh man, Tommy Lee. Yes. Yeah, I dude. I've. I. You know what? If you guys ever want my autograph, I have seen Methods of Mayhem. <laughs> so if you guys, so you're the one. Yeah, you're the one guy. I've seen Methods of Mayhem, and I saw Blimp Biscuit five times in their prime. So, Jesus, um, dude. Did they have a prime? Dude, like <laughs> they did. I saw them five times, like in a year and a half. Like in that, in that year and a half where they were the biggest <laughs> thing in the world, I saw them everywhere. Two Family oh Values God. tours. I saw oh, billionaire pirates tours, dude. I was so into that shit at that point. I don't corn? know what I've seen. Yeah. Corn oh, I was all up times. in that yeah. new metal scene back in the day. Yeah. Oh man, I've yeah, seen I, cor- miss, I missed it. I've seen. See, I missed all like the 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 punky stuff you're talking about. I was, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I never. I never. I didn't get into like. I didn't give pop punk a chance until like right before I moved away from St. Louis. Oh, yeah, well, yeah like, we were listening like, to, yeah. to Rancid for that one podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit before that, maybe like five or six years ago. Like, and, and there was a part of me when I was just like, you know what music I like? Everything that sounds like it was in American Pie. Yes. Yeah, which was Blink-182. <laughs> yeah. And I, they were like one and like, yeah. some, and like all that kind of stuff. Like, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too cool anymore to admit that I fucking really like that shit. Right, Even yeah. though at the time I was like, nah, bro, I'm into hip hop. I don't listen to fucking Blink 182. Yeah, you're hardcore. Yeah, I don't Hanging out with the skater kids and shit. Yeah, lo and behold, yeah. Blink 182 had the best hip hop drummer. <laughs> right. yeah, well, the, absolutely. Well, it took Pharrell. Pharrell had to come up and, and run around on a skateboard for a little bit before we were like, okay, maybe we can <laughs> maybe we can get into this shit. And then some people started yeah. working with Travis Barker. We're like, okay, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a cross mojination happening here with the mojo. See, that's what happened to me. I remember seeing the video for Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Like da- I think Dave Navarro's playing guitar and like yep, Travis yep, Barker's right. on yep. drums. And uh, 
Dude, that song's a fucking banger. It's so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Puffy's and... Puffy on the bike going through the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Oh. After that, the saga continues. Through, you don't I understand. Through, uh, and in 1997, my first concert without my parents was Puff Daddy and the Family World Tour, 97. Oh, like man. in the midst, right? Like this is like five months after Biggie was killed. This is in the midst oh, of shit. Bad Boy being the biggest thing in the world. Shiny suits. And the thing was, the main act was Mace. Puffy. Puffy Mace, The Locks, 112, Faith Evans was the main act, was the Bad Boy family. And then the opening acts, and Lil' Kim, and then the opening acts were Foxy Brown, Buster Rhymes, and then these two people who were nobodies at the time, Usher and Jay-Z. And in between between sets, Kid Capri DJed. It was $17 to get in. No shit. (laughs) It was the and like I thought it was always going to be that awesome. I went to that. I was like, "This is what fucking concerts are like. <laughs> right. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life." Someone passed me a joint at one point. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm 17 in the city. I, I'm higher than giraffe pussy watching fucking Puff Daddy and shiny suits." <laughs> and at one point, he got on a cell phone. He made a call, and he was paging Biggie, and Biggie picked up, and Biggie was dead, but he did warning, and like everyone came out on stage. <laughs> And there, and like, and then I started thinking, man, Biggie and Jay Z and Busta Rhymes all went to high school together. This shit's crazy, man. All concerts are gonna be this good, and then and then they weren't. Dude, this is why you've yeah. gone to so many shows. You've been chasing that high your entire life. Is it? I mean, isn't so- isn't a concert going kind of like that though? Isn't in a way? Isn't it very much live music like heroin, where you have yeah. a great yep. experience and you always want to go and have that experience? You're trying to match again. that, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. What's what was the what was it for you, Jay or Jeremy? What did you, uh, what did you, what's the first thing that you remember seeing live music and being like, something fucking going on here that I want to be a part of? So I'll tell you my very first concert ever, and it blew my mind. I was in sixth grade. No, fourth grade was my first concert, but I was scared, man. I, I was kind of like a weenie kid. Fourth grade, my dad took me to Aerosmith and Skid Row. And it scared it scared the shit oh, out of shit. me. Shit, yeah, man. <laughs> I did not want to ever do that again. Um, and pretty rad, sick, pretty rad, pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that not, was the pump tour. It's not your man. dad's fault that you were a pussy. It's not your fault. It's not his fault. You were right. <laughs> yep. uh, Don't blame it on Tommy Lee. All right. It's a no. My uh, I remember. I think it was the pump tour that they were doing. I remember a lot of that got played. It might have been Get a Grip. I can't remember. Whenever, whatever record came out when I was in fourth grade. I think it was Pump. But um, sixth grade, my grandma took me to see Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. Oh, no. At, Fuck yeah. It, uh, this was what? prior to the affair. They weren't married <laughs> to each other yet. Um, what do you mean, fuck yeah? What are you dude, Garth about? Brooks was actually my second concert ever. Oh, dude, no. I saw Garth? I saw Garth Brooks when I was maybe six or seven, and before that, Alan Jackson. That was my first show. When my you're mom in loved sixth country grade, music. and there's a dude in a steel cage singing songs that you hear on the radio above you. Yeah, that's life changing. It's so. Uh, See, my parents guess, cared about me more than your parents did. They didn't <laughs> listen to that kind of radio. Okay? We all yeah. know that's true, but <laughs> we didn't listen yeah. to country radio in my house because my par- my my dad had a job. no we did my dad was my dad loved alabama oh my grandma i saw alabama in concert too it was a christmas concert holy shit oh dude those guys can actually fuck some rock some christmas fucking shit this will bear this will hear the christmas bear that was like my jam (laughs) 
That's they, got some, the they got some harmonies over there. Those guys could sing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was still playing with like action figures in the bathtub at like 13. I mean, I, I right. it wasn't. It took, it took me, it was like Wolverine. He would like, I wasn't. I was, too tall, to, I was like, too tall to get in a bathtub when I was 13 years old. <laughs> I was 64 and I couldn't take fucking ba- I can't take baths to this day. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I took a bath. <laughs> you need to get a shack tub, man. You know, Shaquille. Yeah, right. Bathtub. My mom's got a pretty big tub and like, if I injure myself bad enough, she'll let me take a bath over there. Yeah. So, so sometimes I just throw myself out of a moving vehicle to get yeah, a yeah. bath in. Toss yeah. yourself down the basement stairs there. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Okay. So um, right now we are going to take a break. Um, okay. This is the way I found a way around this uh, limited recording time. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, Jeremy is actually going to perform for us yeah. uh, sure. and do a tune. And we will uh, and we'll talk more. Right on. So uh, we will be back after this word from our sponsor. Hey folks, this is Ian, half of the hosts of the podcast you're listening to. We hope you're enjoying our guest and all the good things we're talking about and all of those things are brought to us by our fine folks at Wolf Tracks t-shirts and designs. Are you a singer-songwriter? Are you a comedian? Do you have something you just want to throw on a shirt and show the world? Well, call Steve Likens at 910-538-2474 and tell him you heard about the company from us on Freshly Baked Crackers, and he will give you a deal of your art and setup for free. Uh, So hit them up and do your business. And while you're thinking of us, also check out our new show coming Sundays at 8 Central on our Facebook Live page, Howl at the Moon with the Fever Dog where our buddy Josh will show you some new and interesting music and uh, talk to you about it along the way. Thanks for listening, and we're going back right now. And we're back, folks, and we've got a special performance coming up here from our guest, Jeremy, and I'm going to give him the floor, Jeremy. All right, um... I'm going to do, this is a song, uh, it's titled It's in the End, and it is on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, uh, all the streaming platforms. Uh, I recorded it in 2016 on my EP uh, called Conversations, and um, I'm going to re-record it, actually, just uh, on the full length, so it's more cohesive with the rest of the songs that are going to be on there, uh, since it's been so long. And it's kind of changed over time a little bit, melody-wise and whatnot. Um, so, guys, to like cut this. you off, uh, we we did yeah. we did kind of touch on that earlier when we were talking, and I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about it right now. Um, how you did record this uh, three-song EP that you have, and then these songs have breathed and they have evolved and they've matured, and they've yeah. kind of become different animals. And like, I know exactly what you mean because, like, the first because specifically the ballad is very yeah. very very different on what it is um not that either one of them not that it's bad on the album it's just a different beast yeah um, um completely that, to what, it, what it's become that you how you play alive and like uh yeah um, yeah. yeah it definitely ballad for sure has always been played the way that i play it okay mike wanted to make it more avidies 
ra- yeah, radio friendly, I guess. Because sure. that was the whole idea. Like when we started, it was like, man, let's make something we can pitch. And yeah, um, it just all kind of, I think it would have been way more pitchable if we would have just done the songs the way that, that I wrote them. But well, there's way was more of you in them the way that you play them. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is that as amazing as that experience was, it was also terrifying to tell somebody that you've idolized for so long. No. You know right. what I mean? I guess. But I think that's I a good, I think that you, and I am not uh, a songwriter. I've written a few songs with, I mean, you're a, you're a very, very good songwriter. And like, I think that's a good lesson to learn is yeah. in the future is maybe hard to, lesson protect, to, learn. Maybe to protect your, your, your creations a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was a hard lesson to learn. It was an expensive lesson to learn um, mm. because I was so focused on, man, I'm going to record this record with one of my heroes. And then I got there. And then when I disagreed, I was like, well, I don't want to tell them that I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. But, um, but definitely now, I, and that's not on him at all. Mike is not like some uh, dick that's going to be like, um, this is my idea. And that's, that's the law, you know, um, that's what's going on the record. He right. wasn't like that at all. He was very approachable, very easygoing, um, very awesome to work with. But I think it was just my, I wanted to, please him like in any way that i you know sure. i want him to work, right. work with me again you know um absolutely working with a hero yeah, absolutely and in turn it just it kind of the ep turned out being something that like i wasn't for the money that i had invested in it i was just like mm-hmm. i'm not super proud you know um and it's been like a pretty 50 50 split I, like half the people that have listened to it are like man i love it and then the other people are like uh, I like it, but I wish it was you that I was hearing because I right. feel like uh, we were as, as somebody talking. as somebody who is like not just someone who's on a podcast with you and someone who knows you like as someone who's a legitimate fan of yours, I would say that in the future it's going to be an interesting thing that's part of your catalog because you're going to have these three songs and then they'll be again on the full album and. I think, I think that's going to be interesting. I think it's interesting when you see a progression of a band like that or something different yeah, like that. Agreed. So like, I, I think that it's very, very cool if there is going to ex- exist these two different versions of these three songs. It'll actually show your growth in progress as an actual yeah, I think thing. So too. Yeah. And that, that was another thing. These songs, I hadn't been, I wrote. And, and mind you, there's nothing wrong with the way the songs sound on the EP. They oh, just yeah. don't sound like the way that you play them. Yeah, they definitely don't at all. But they're still and, great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like them. And it, it's a different – it's cool to hear them that way. Like, I've I've been on the way to work before, and, um, like, it'll come on. And just, like, I'll just shuffle my Spotify music, and it's on there. And it'll come on, and I'll just be like, yeah, I'll let it go. And I'll listen to it. And I'll be like, I mean, it's, it's fun. But, yeah, it just – it doesn't hit the same. A big part – Probably for me, my favorite part about music is the emotional element and the way that a song relates to me that an artist is playing. Um, right. Which, for example, that I mean, I, I'm a big John Mayer fan now. Um, I was not a big John Mayer fan when he came out because Same. your body, your mm-hmm. body is a wonderland, did not relate to me right. in right. any way. 
uh, it didn't re- it didn't pertain to me. My body wasn't a wonderland. And don't you um, just even <laughs> hate that? Like just that boom, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, I just hate was that. Nothing. I hate yeah. that guitar part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, like being older or evolving with him, you talk about an artist progression. Sure, you oh, could absolutely. tell that dude was playing the market. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he did. Like room for squares was like maybe what the industry wanted him to be, sure. and then like heavier things was about 50 50 you got to see kind of like man this dude can play some serious guitar but some of these songs are still just so poppy they're not even like i can't listen to this then continuum was like what the hell is this this is a blues record and then kind of like from there uh man i i loved heartbreak warfare that's kind of like when he like hook line and sinker for me um I, I loved uh, or I, it, Battle Studies. That was the name of the record. Right. Um, so With him like in black and white on the front of it? Yeah. Yes. And then after Battle Studies, I believe it was um, Born and Raised. And then after Born, Born and Raised. Raised. Born and Raised is probably top 10. I just did my top ten mm-hmm. albums on Facebook, and it didn't make it. But it like it, it's it's almost there for me. That's one of my favorite yeah. albums ever. And when you look at the people that were on that album, yeah, when it's mm-hmm. like Stephen Stills, David Crosby, Ben Montinch from the Heartbreakers, Mike Campbell mm-hmm. from the Heartbreakers, like all these fucking amazing musicians got to like I I that was the album that I mean I really like the trio album too. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. And and Continuum yeah. is Continuum's fucking awesome. Yeah, um, it's great. It's a great, great album. But mm-hmm. for some reason, Born and Raised, it came out right when I was graduating from culinary school. Mm-hmm. And like that summer that I was, uh, I was uh, when I went to Italy and I was working at the uh, homeless shelter. Yeah. yeah, that album came out that summer, and like I, it just resonated with me so fucking hard. Mm. every single song on that album i i mean that song is that's one of those albums that's like written on my soul right yeah without a doubt See, that's how that's how paradise valley was for me i remember i remember born and raised and i remember here in queen of california and i was just like dang this song is so good and i kept listening i kept listening and it was hit and miss some of the songs like age of worry i thought like that song didn't really grab me i, I thought it, almost was like misplaced i was like what is this like is this a celtic song or something you know what i mean like right see yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting i think it's an interesting like seg you in the album it is and i really like it now um at, but paradise valley wildfire i just that beat i think that's when he started playing with aaron sterling too and i'm a huge fan of his drumming mm-hmm. um but I just remember that that and that just the drums are doing such like a different thing. It's almost like he's playing kind of like on the rims. And uh I just I was instantly like drawn into it. And then just like each song after, like Dear Marie, Paper Doll, that album straight through for me is probably probably what Born and Raised is for you. And it's just uh my son, his favorite record is um the latest one that came out, uh, his last studio record, which it's been a while. Oh, is that the but, one that has like emoji of a wave? Of- yeah, emoji of a wave. It's got emoji yeah. of a wave and it's got um, 
I can't remember all of like, but he, he loves that record. And that's, what's so great about, about John Mayer is, is, is the evolution of, of John Mayer. Uh, he, he can do everything, you know? I mean, he's on a fallout boy record, even doing, uh, right. the stuff from, from, uh, beat it, you know? Have you ever listened mm-hmm. to bitter, bittersweet, uh, by Kanye? No. With him on it? Yeah. John Mayer's on a Kanye track. Yeah. Oh man. Bitter I know he played with too. Yep. You uh, you you should uh, you know the I've never seen John Mayer. Well, I shouldn't say that. I saw John Mayer open for Guster a long, long time ago when he was nobody, and he was oh, a real, we, he was a real. We dick talked to me. about um, we talked or, we touched earlier on my my dislike or not even dislike. It's just I it, I, I I missed it. I missed the jam band thing. A lot of my right? friends got mm-hmm. to it, and I was kind of somewhere else, you know. Um, but Grateful Dead is that band that I've always kind of bored, like teetered on a little bit. My dad right. listened to them quite a bit, and I can remember. Um, I'm gonna get the name of the song wrong. And uh, what what is it? Uh, something gray. Touch of gray. Touch of gray. There you go. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say like shades of gray, and then that someone was gonna say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, what Fifty Shades of Gray." <laughs> um, you know, something like that. But yeah, Touch of Grey. And uh, I can remember watching that music video when I was a kid, and they're like skeletons. And yep. uh, right. it's like a big acid trip, you know? And uh, that's an iconic I, music video. Yeah. I loved that song. It's like the I one thing I knew video, too. But I didn't really get into too much else because I was so like into punk rock, you know? And, um, right. But John Mayer playing with, with the dead you know, dead and company, I was like, man, okay, I'm going to give this like another go around. And then the guy that I play, ba- uh, that plays bass with me full band uh, miles, he was telling me, he's like, you know, man, he's like a, a great song for you to cover would be uh, ripple. I think is the name of it. Oh yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd play ripple really well. And uh, so I started listening to that and then like a few other songs and songs I didn't even know were theirs that I ended up liking. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a closet like getting like kind of really into the dead Uh, the problem the problem with the dead is or maybe not the problem with the dead the problem surrounding the dead is that the whole drugged out hippie thing overshadows the fact that they wrote some amazing songs yeah yeah it does there are some there are there's some material there and a lot of it that is just even like stuff that like the real deep cuts there's some just interesting songwriting on stuff like bertha or uh, man, I, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of dead stuff that if you take out the jamming and just listen to the studio versions of these songs, there's mm-hmm. really a lot there. There's a really, it's a, to me, uh, you know, the dead and the heartbreakers are arguably the, the, uh, the great American rock band to me. It's, it's one mm-hmm. of those two bands to me. And, yeah. and, uh, and people, it's, it's so sad because there's so many people just look at it like just, you know, man, that's just some dope smoking hippie music. And then like you right. play it for them, you know, especially like, like some very, some real like country type people, you know, that wouldn't ever yeah. listen. You play some fucking dead for them, like something like don't ease me in or something like that. And they're like, this is the fucking grateful dead. And you're like, yeah, bro. I mean, man, uh, some real bluesy they, shit in there. Yeah. They, they, you guys, they, the they weren't a oh, friend of the devil is a great song. That's- Mm. It's a country song. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's Absolutely. a country song. Yeah, uh, and it's a great country song. Yeah. You know? 
Um, but yeah, I've been getting into them. Just a lot so, just so you movie. guys know, you know who does a great cover of a uh, uh, friend of the devil, Counting Crows. Anyway, of course. Um, <laughs> Man, to circle uh, back to my nineties, so I got pretty into them in the nineties too. Um, more so just because that dude looked different than any other frontman that was hanging out. <laughs> right. That. But I, I had some friends that went and saw the Matchbox Twenty Counting Crows thing and they said counting crows like i had one friend that saw it three times and he said counting crows bombed every time he said they were not he said the dude's like he's gained so much weight he can't like breathe when he's you know i've seen the counting crows about six or seven times and the last time i saw him i saw him two second row a few couple years ago in champagne i think they put on a spectacular show yes But like, See, I, can't, I can't imagine that they wouldn't because it's a different thing. Now, people, there is no other band that performs live like the Counting Crows do. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Now, yes, these guys are a 90s radio hits band. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not denying that. I'm not trying to say that these guys are the Mars Volta or something, but sure. <laughs> they, uh, they are a jam band, and it's, but they don't jam with their instruments. There's, there's not guitar solos. There's not piano solos really there is adam solos and when the counting crows play they get to points where it's just music and he just speaks for long periods of time poetry just freestyles things in the middle of these songs and the band just kind of stands behind him and like rises and falls with his with what he's talking about and to me it's fucking captivating I can't explain to you. I think that Adam Duritz is a is a, a, a lyricist, like like in in the song Mr. Jones that everyone's heard a million times when he says, you know, I want to be Bob Dylan. Like to me, he's he's tried, man. He's 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 done a pretty damn good job of getting of writing some fucking lyrics. He really yeah. like like I look at some of the stuff that he's written. And like it's I I love it. I I do. And like I there's. It's definitely a lot of sad bastard music. There's definitely a lot of fucking, you know, I mean, there's, there's literally Counting Crows lyrics that say, if I could make it rain today and wash away this sunny day down to the gutter, I would. And that's kind of their, <laughs> that's kind of them as a band kind of in it. And like, right. But like, man, I tell you what, that's just my emo. I kind of, I think, I feel like that's my fucking sad shit. I never got into you know, the, the heavier emo-y sad music. My sad music is Adam Durr's crying about it's raining in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, like, same kind of time period. I, uh... I was a big Wallflowers fan, man. That first oh, record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. had so many hits on it that because everyone's like, oh, yeah, the one one headlight band. I was like, uh, Three Marlenas, <laughs> The Difference, Sixth Avenue Heartache. Dude, they yeah. had to. Think about if you grew up and your dad is Bob Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. And, you're like, and, you, and one day you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a musician. Bro, you better show up with five number one hits on that first <laughs> album. You have to. For, absolutely. For the time of day, you have to have five number one hits on that first that, album. And he had to pipe up or shut up. Absolutely. People say, like, who's someone, like, if you could pick anyone dead or alive that you would just want to like hang out with like Johnny Cash, John Lennon, like who's somebody. And like, I would want to hang out with Jacob Dylan, man. I bet that would be freaking awesome. Have you seen his movie? 
I haven't watched it. It's, uh, it's, dude, it's very, very good about Laurel Canyon, about all the music. That yeah. Laurel Canyon. I, but I did watch the preview. And if what you I like him, you preview, will really like him because it's, it's mostly, I mean, it's a lot of him and he is, he's a very, he seems like a very cool dude. He just comes he's off. He's so very, talented too, man. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. so talented. And he grew up, not only did he grow up and his, his dad was Bob Dylan, but think about who his dad was also close friends with, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. So he grew up with Tom Petty. He Jeff grew up Lynn. with George, George Harrison, yep, you right. know. Um, the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the band. So, I mean, like, the guy got an education from the, the greatest of all time. And then he, he kind of talks about that a little bit in the movie about like where not even necessarily like who his dad's contemporaries were, but like who their actual physical neighbors were. Yeah. You know, and it was like, it was like David Crosby lived down the street <laughs> and fucking the mamas of the, or not the mama, the, the, I can't think of who they all were, but like all those Laurel Canyon bands, that's where his dad had yeah. a place on the West coast was right in that area. And like, you know, Fleetwood Mac lived in the, you know, fucking, five miles away from them, you know, and shit like that. And like, I just don't, I can't imagine growing up and like, that's the people that like when my parents threw a party, whenever I was a kid, it was our neighbors. Can you imagine if your neighbors are those people? Yeah. Your dad throws right. parties at your house. It's yeah. just like, Oh look, it's all the most famous musicians in the planet. Are just, just having a barbecue. Yeah. And you're still a Yeah. And you're still that kid who's just like trying to like perform in front of all your parents' fucking friends and get attention, stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But your parents' friends are Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and shit. <laughs> okay, anyway. Anyway, we've we've diverted attention far enough. Uh, so let's go back to you performing because we're ready to hear some of your music. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, so it's called It's in the End, and uh, it goes like this. You sit around and you think, think about terrible things, like how you will die, who's left you, and why. It's leaving your heart with a sting. And all this worry and grief, it's starting to keep you from sleep. And this lack of sleep, well, keeps you from dreams, doing more purposeful things. So you accomplish nothing, nothing at all. Now that your life is a mess, your central nervous system's a wreck. The only ones who you name are those who you blame. One ounce of self-respect left So you amount to nothing Nothing at all So try and make the most while you can Cause in the end It's all that matters The prince you leave on their heart Set you apart. Whoa. 
You met the girl of your dreams. Now your heart's starting to sing. Ah, that passion you like, well, it's coming back. Your purpose, it's starting to leave. So it was all for something, something after all. You can only blame your mommy and daddy so long. Excuses expire. You've grown inspired and you've learned from their wrongs. You don't know where it's gonna go. Well, you can't do now is hope. So try and make the most while you can, cause in the end, it's all that matters. Thumbprints you leave on their heart sets you apart. Sorry, I, right muted, I muted Ian and I. No, that's fair. I had to un abruptly unmute us. Um, I was gasping the whole time. It was a good good call. I was uh, doing way worse things than gasping. Oh, Reflapping? I said I'm a fan. <laughs> okay? I don't want a lot of grief for this, okay? Oh, I'm my. Feeling, I'm feeling like I can be sexually honest with you guys, okay? I feel safe here. <laughs> It's a safe place. It's, it's fair. It is. The internet is a safe place. <laughs> yeah, of course. That was beautiful. Yeah, no, excellent. That was awesome, man. Yeah, that's yeah. a great that's Thanks. A song. That's a great, great song. So, like, let's talk about songwriting. Yeah. And let's talk about your approach to songwriting specifically. Like, um, how does it come for you? Is, does it do, do, do lyrics come and music comes later? Do, does music come and lyrics fill in the holes? Is it a, is it a one thing? How do you, how do you write? Man, um... I feel like if there was like a single approach to it, um, I don't know. Like, are you the kind of guy that keeps a notebook? I do actually. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I think I keep a notebook, but I also make very good use of the notes in my phone and the audio mm -hmm. like recording. Cause a lot of the times I'm like driving on my way to work or I mean, man, you could be doing whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, and like a lyric will pop into your head or not even a lyric, but like a melody or something. So I got to grab my phone and like sing it into it or um, write down some words in my notebook. So yeah, I, I, it's, 
lots of different ways or, or sometimes um, like you, the eager what movement. You, what do you have on your phone right now that no one's ever heard? You should play something over the phone. No, I'm You're recording with I, your phone. You can't do that. Yeah, I don't think I can, um, but I have a ton of stuff, man. I have two songs in particular, three actually, but that are about ready to go that I really want to put on this record. Oh, and, shit. Uh, one yeah, in particular. Again, I'm, I'm a fan, so I'm like, oh, there's new fucking music. <laughs> yeah, like one in particular is almost this story. So when Nicole was in the hospital this past, um, I guess it would have been like November. Um, I mean, I was just sitting in the hospital room for all day, every day, you know, um, just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And so I was trying to find ways to kill the time and whatnot. And I found myself watching like a whole bunch of documentaries and I wrote this song. Um, it doesn't have a title yet even, but I, I wrote it a while back. I wrote like the first part of it and it was just kind of about like my dad had just died and I wasn't having a very good time playing these songs, even though this is like what I love doing. I wasn't having like a great time doing it. I had all this like personal stuff like weighing on me and uh, it was just, it wasn't fun. Um, and so like I started pinning the lyrics and I, um, it was like, so I wrote up to the city to give them what they asked for. Uh, I tore my chest, ripped it wide open while they cut loose on a dance floor. I sang, oh my God, what's to become of me? My life's, my life's but all these sad songs I sing. Uh, so I faked another smile and I packed up my old suitcase. I drove for miles and miles and miles down some dirt roads and some freeways. There was nothing more back home that waits for me, nothing more but sins and tragedies. And um, I, I had these lines and I was like, man, I really want to do something with this like, singer songwriter life but i don't know where to go from from it for there i can't just be like so everything got better and i kept on <laughs> right. just just singing you know and uh i'm like so i don't, I don't know what to do with it i i, I watched this i like awesome that though movie. i like that how it shit. switches into a disney song at that point. <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> just yeah. That's an uplifting yeah. yeah me and Steve anyway Lopez, so anyway shit worked out and yeah, uh, yeah, all of a sudden good. it becomes is it's like no one rapes like gaston almost <laughs> Um, so, so I, I watched this really awesome Robert Johnson documentary and I was like, I was so, I mean, I've always been inspired by the Crossroads story. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like if I could do that, I would do that. Music is like the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Man, I read this book called Fallen Angels. Um, and it's about like the story of Led Zeppelin and how, they swear that they signed a contract. I mean, it's them. It's the guys interviewing them, how they signed a contract at the crossroads and like all this awful stuff started happening to basically everyone except Jimmy Page. Oh, shit. Um, I mean, I, uh, the thing is with the whole crossroads thing is like, I'll put it out here on this thing right now. If that kind of stuff, if, if anything, if there's any way that you can actually sell your soul to the devil, devil, if you're listening, you, it, uh, uh, you know my address? Easy, you know man, because I'm, I'm doing this interview right now in an empty Masonic temple with a <laughs> upside-down star above my head. So oh, that's, <laughs> that's not the least bit creepy. It's <laughs> creepy as shit. I'm in here by myself, and every noise, just I get goosebumps every time I hear the slightest little, like, 
Creek. I'm like, what is in here with me? I just been waiting for some goat to walk through the door oh, yeah. um, in, a, in a robe. So, but yeah, man. So like I watched this story and, and I, I went back to the little condo that I was staying at that night while one of her other friends or family members stayed. And I started working on this song and the next line, I was just kind of like, uh, so I came across the shadow or uh, so I came across the stranger as he stood there in the shadow. Um, he said, boy, come a little closer and I'll tell you what you don't know. And it's just kind of like has snowballed from there. It's just kind of like having a conversation with like, is this really what I'm hating it so much, but would I sell my soul for like what I've wanted it to be? Right. And I mean, so far, like, yeah, in the song I would, like that's the route I go and I haven't really figured out the ending. Um, so I kind of, I want to, I approach it all different ways, man. Like movies inspire me a lot. I wrote a song called the long bright dark uh, uh, watching true detective that song nice. in particular um wow, uh, the okay first, okay that's that, pretty awesome yeah the first season i, I was going through like some spiritual Wait, yeah out. yeah we're aware that you mean the first. <laughs> <laughs> what's that i said yes we're all we're all aware that you meant the first season no one's writing yeah. songs about vince vaughn's performance in the second season <laughs> oh, no no man um and I'm not a Colin Farrell fan either. So when I heard he was going to be in the second season, I kind of ruined it for me. I was like, eh, whatever. Um, but I did like the third season a lot, though. I didn't like it as much as the first season, but I did like it. Um, I just remembered that there's a third season with Mahershala yeah, Ali. Mahershala Ali, yeah. And I've never watched it. Oh, shit. Well, I'm going to start that this week. As soon as I yeah, do it, man. Awesome. It's good. And then let's talk about it because it's good. I love that dude. I can't wait to see him play Blade. Yeah, oh, he's gonna be great. Oh, he's yeah. yeah, it's gonna be so good. Um, but so yeah, that song I just got, I was kind of going through some like spiritual warfare. I grew up in church. I was a worship leader forever, and I just I don't I never had that like coming to Christ moment. You know what I mean? It was always very felt like very forced to me. Uh, I went to church with my grandma forever and I just never had this, but I mean, I faked it for a lot of years. I felt like, and, um, all this bad stuff happened. My grandma died. I got divorced. I stopped seeing my kids every day, you know, to like, it went to every other weekend and just all this stuff was happening. And I remember I, I was like, I'm going to write a song about this someday about about church how how you know it just it never happened and i remember just being so obsessed with rustin cole's character in true detective i'm like man that's me when i was like trying to figure out who i am and like just all the all the crazy shit that he says like um right you know time is just a flat circle everything <laughs> that has awesome. happened has already happened and will happen again you know and i'm just like uh man that when he when he says the line about brothers and sisters walking hand in hand off a cliff, like opting out of a raw deal, you know, mm -hmm. um, I was just like this, this is, I got to get the guitar out. So I got it out and I just kind of started messing around with different riffs and stuff. And it's not like directly about it, but it's just the mood and the vibe that I was getting from the first episode and kind of applying like my own experience with like what I was feeling about, about, you know why we exist and everything and and what it all means that kind of came out because the biggest 
you know, for me, the biggest, the biggest thing in church was, you know, the scare tactic of you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't fall in line, you know, turn or burn basically. And some dark shit. It is, man. It's messed up, and I hate it. And um, especially for young people to, you know, be yeah. be well, that's, that's what they do. They lay it on the kids. Yeah, that's the thing. And then that's you see so you're heavy kind of shit. Like scared, you know. And and it 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 messed with me for a long time. And and then just being able to watch this guy that like lost his daughter and like uh, Rustin Cole's character, like his daughter mm. died. They don't ever show it really or what happened, but like she died and like him and his wife couldn't make it through that tragedy. And he's just basically saying like all of this stuff and, but he's the good guy in the, in the story. Rustin Cole is, right. the, I mean, his heart and everything. And, uh, Marty, the guy that's your typical, like your cop, he's your Christian. That guy's a douchebag, man. <laughs> yep. He's cheating on his wife. He, he's an alcoholic and all this stuff. And, and, mm-hmm he's telling Rustin Cole how bad he is, man. He goes, he's like, so you don't believe in God. You don't believe in this. He goes, well, let me tell you, you you don't go around spouting that shit around here, man. People will think you're crazy. And, and uh, it's like, you know, he, so it's like this guy is being one way to save face and just fit in with the community. And the guy who's good is just being who he is. And that mm. I just, I had to write that song, you know, that's, this is like the first episode. And I'm just like, I got to call the song the long, bright, long, bright, dark. That's the title of the first episode. And, uh, and that's just kind of what happened with that song. But like, man, so many songs that the eager movement, that's, that's, I was married and uh, I got divorced and just like long story short. I mean, we, we jump in and out of relationships and I was like, I got to write a song about that. You know, like it, there's no like one thing, but um I wrote a song about the first season of True Detective also. It's, uh, <laughs> I've never performed it live, but it's about the scene where uh, Alexandria D'Addario uh, straddles Woody Harrelson and takes her top off. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, wrote, an yeah. entire, I wrote an entire four-act play uh, actually <laughs> about, about that scene how I went through a second puberty. Uh, in, my third, in, my, in my late 30s somehow from that so yeah um anyway uh not to cut you off we are getting towards the end of our time yeah yeah um which sucks because this has been a great episode we hope you come back yeah, good again. talk uh yeah definitely whenever uh when the covid thing uh ends maybe we can uh do one in studio yeah, yeah that would be great. fantastic um but anyway it's been great talking to you thank you very much uh, tell everybody how yeah to find you where to find yeah, you plug your pluggables yeah yeah I just, I just uh, realized i just realized jeremy is uh a mcconaughey so obviously he's <laughs> plugging the first season of true detective yeah, uh, his, yeah that's my cousin, cousin, cousin yeah. yeah yeah maddie um, they just call him maddie in the family they yeah we call him maddie <laughs> yep at maddie Matt. Uh, we're uh, down to less than a minute tell us where to find you yeah Facebook.com, Jeremy T. McConaughey, Instagram and Twitter at jmacconkey, uh, Spotify, um, Bandcamp. Uh, you can get all my merch there. I'm selling a shirt right now on homeprintshop.co. Um, it's for the COVID pandemic, just kind of for some like financial relief. So it's an exclusive t-shirt uh, that I you can one. only... And, yes, man. And I appreciate it so much. So uh, find him online. Find him on Facebook, uh, Jeremy T. McConaughey. Uh, yes. Sorry to cut this short, but Zoom cuts us off at a certain point, so we got to hurry. Uh, for Ian Maxwell, I'm Josh Custer. 
And for Josh Kostrami and Maxwell. Saying, enjoy, enjoy your boils. boils.